You're listening to the Carterville Church Life Podcast. I love our church family, and I hope that you do too. Our goal is that the episodes of this podcast would keep us connected and focused while we're scattered for our week on missions together. I hope that you're blessed by what you hear today. Hey, church family and our friends all over the place. Thanks for tuning in to the podcast today. I am thrilled to have you. So I hope that you're ready for some good news. I just want to read some more from the book of Acts, another devotional podcast to encourage you. Yesterday, we read about Peter and John healing a lame man. You know, They said, we don't have any money for you, silver or gold. We don't have any of that. But what we do have, we want to give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, I say, stand up and walk. And the guy's life has changed forever. Okay, well, with that miracle, of course, people all over the place saw this person and recognized that his life had radically changed. And what Jesus did in that man's life got the attention of everybody who was watching. The result is that people are now turning to Peter and John to understand how the power of Jesus has changed this guy. What's going on? And so they preach an early sermon that I want to share with you for today's podcast. This is the sermon, Acts chapter 3. I'll start reading in verse 11. So the context is the temple courts in Jerusalem. While the man held on to Peter and John, all the people were astonished and came running to them in the place called Solomon's Colonnade. When Peter saw this, he said to them, Fellow Israelites, why does this surprise you? Why do you stare at us as if by our own power or godliness we made this man walk? Okay, so a couple of comments right out of the gate. When Peter looked at the crowd, he said, hey, why does this surprise you? And I want to ask us the same question. When God does something remarkable in our life, in our family, for somebody we know, when God does one of those things that we thought we'd never see happen, why do we act surprised? I know this sounds crazy because if I had seen a man who I knew to be lame, standing and walking, if I knew that he had just been miraculously healed, I would have stared. I would have been astonished. But Peter turns the question. It's almost as if, hey, do you not believe that God has the power to do this? We've been waiting forever for Jesus to come, and now that the Messiah has been revealed, and God's power is unleashed to heal the world, why are you so surprised? It's almost as if Peter would even go on to say, and he will in a moment, You know, God's going to do even more great things beyond this. The second thing, though, that Peter points out is that the change in this man's life was not by the godliness of Peter and John. So Peter and John, they were important. They were the witnesses. They were the person that turned this man's attention to Jesus Christ of Nazareth. They're the person that connected this person to the authority and the power of God to heal, the power that was unleashed through Jesus Christ. But they're not the ones who did the healing. Okay, well, that's a lot like you and I today. Like as we go into our mission field today, as we love our neighbors, as we serve, I hope that we'll remember that if people choose to give their life to Jesus or if they reject Jesus, it's not because you were such a great witness that they said yes. And it's not because you failed as a witness that they said no. The power that's at work in you is much bigger than anything that your life or mine could produce. And that's one of the things that I love in the book of Acts is that you see this clear connection to the power of the story of God, to the Holy Spirit moving to renew the earth. Okay, so they go on to say, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the God of our fathers, has glorified his servant Jesus. You handed him over to be killed, 
and you disowned him before Pilate, though you had decided, though he had decided to, to let him go. You disowned the holy and righteous one and asked that a murderer would be released to you. You killed the author of life, but God raised him from the dead. We are witnesses of this. So the early disciples, they were just claiming to be witnesses of what God was doing in raising Jesus. But how powerful is this language, right? That the people in Jerusalem, they actually chose a murderer over the author of life. They killed the author of life. And I don't know, maybe that's a little bit like us sometimes, right? In our culture, we're surrounded by people who make this choice. Probably in our own life, we feel like we've made a similar choice where we chose, in their case, it was a murder. For you, who knows what it was. But instead of God's holy and righteous one, instead of submission to the Lord Jesus Christ and his beautiful way of life for you, you chose something cheaper, something less. Maybe it was socially acceptable. Maybe it was terrible. I have no idea. But I think we're constantly choosing something instead of Jesus. And in the book of Acts, we find a better way. And so how powerful is this language? You killed the author of life. Um, so Peter and John, like they're not, you know, they're not trying to put a pretty shade on this. Like they're pretty much just coming out and saying like the crucifixion of Jesus was brutal. And we chose it. Like the people of Jerusalem in that moment, they literally chose it. I'll bet many of them were there in the city the day that Jesus was crucified. They saw him naked and hanging on a cross. They saw him bloodied and beaten. Maybe even some of them knew people who were there that said, shouted crucify. Or maybe some of them shouted crucify. And here's the thing. Peter's not condemning them forever. Peter wants them to acknowledge the choice they made, and now he's given them the exit plan, giving them the opportunity to step into the promise that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, that God would heal the world through his people. So I don't know about you, but maybe there's somebody in your life or maybe it's you that you recognize has been choosing the world over Jesus over and over and over again. Literally, we're guilty of crucifying the author of life. God wants to give us life and we choose death over and over when we choose our sin. Peter and John are not condemning us. They're offering us a better way forward. Let's read about it. Verse 16, by faith in the name of Jesus, this man whom you see and know was made strong. It is Jesus' name and the faith that comes through him that has completely healed him as you all can see. One of the things that I love about this is that it shows that God's intention for you is good. Like when God got a hold of this man and did what he wanted to do in this guy's life, it was to heal him, not to hurt him. Okay, so here's a mob, a crowd of people who've chosen a murderer over God's anointed, who have put to death the author of life. And yet when you see God's hand turned toward them, what do you see? Healing. You see that God wants to give you life. So I don't know about you, but maybe you've looked at life as if you know God's plans for you must be restrictive and the world's plans for you must be more permissive or blessing. Not true at all. Not true. Ultimately, if you follow the path of God, what he has in store for you is he wants to give you life and peace and hope and freedom and healing. Look at verse 17. Now, fellow Israelites, I know that you acted in ignorance, as did your leaders. And by the way, some of your friends who are rejecting Jesus today, they're not rejecting him because they're awful people. No, we're all sinners, depraved from our heart. We're all bad in that way. 
But some of your friends who are rejecting Jesus, especially for our high school students and middle schoolers and college students, it's not necessarily because they hate God. For some of them, it's, it really is ignorance. They just don't know the character of God. They don't know the gospel. And that's one of the things that you and I are supposed to be healing. We're supposed to bring the gospel to our community. Verse 18, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through the prophets, saying that his Messiah would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, so that times of refreshing may come from the Lord. That's powerful to me. Repent so that our sins can be wiped out and cleansed and so that times of refreshing can come. That is strong. Verse 20, and so that he may send the Messiah who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. Like Peter and John know that one day Jesus will come back when God's will is done on the earth, when when he knows that it's time, Christ the Messiah will come back. And when he does, he'll make all things new, new heaven and new earth. Listen, Listen to the way he says it in verse 21. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. It's an awesome reminder that our gospel is bigger than just one sinner being saved. Oh, it absolutely is one sinner being saved, but it's bigger than that. It's a redemption of all things, a renewal that God's promised. Verse 22, For Moses said, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among your own people. You must listen to everything he tells you. Anyone who does not listen to him will be completely cut off from their people. It's as simple as that. Here is Christ, the Messiah, who renews all things. Listen to him and be healed. Listen to him and be saved. But reject him and be cut off. And that's the message of the book of Acts. Verse 24, Indeed, beginning with Samuel and all the prophets who have spoken have foretold these days, and you are heirs of the prophets and of the covenant God made with your fathers. He said to Abraham, Through your offspring, all peoples on earth will be blessed. So the apostles understood the death and resurrection of Jesus, the extension of the gospel, the renewal of all creation, that this was part of the fulfillment of the promise that God made to Abraham in Genesis 12. You know, in, in Genesis 12 and 15, throughout the patriarch stories, God told Abraham that he would bless him with descendants and with land, and that he would make him a blessing to everybody who received him and blessed him, and a curse to all those who cursed him. And it appears to me that John and Peter believe that the renewal that Jesus Christ is bringing with his resurrection from the dead, that this is the blessing that God had promised to Abraham. Verse 26, When God raised up his servant, he sent him first to you to bless you by turning each of you from your wicked ways. Hey gang, I hope that you will be blessed today simply by turning from worldliness towards Jesus. That you and I would walk with Jesus in the faithfulness of the promises that God made to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. His promise to renew the broken world. Listen, our world is broken today and we need some good news. You have the good news. So just like Peter and John shared the good news in the name of Jesus, let's share it today with somebody we love. Let's be faithful witnesses of the God who is making all things new. Church family, I love you. I cannot wait to see you on Sunday. Don't forget that on Wednesday night, our students are meeting. So Wednesday night, can't wait to see you in student ministry and youth group. I'll see you there, and I can't wait to see you Sunday. God bless you, church family. 